And praise the Lord, everybody. Why don't we stand to our feet this morning? And can we just lift up our hands and magnify the Lord for a moment? Come on. Can we just praise him? Can we lift up his name? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He's worthy. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. We love you, Lord. We praise you, Lord. We worship you. Thank you for your mercy and truth. Amen. Come on. Let's just clap our hands for a moment. Come on. He's worthy today, isn't he? Hallelujah. 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 Bless the name of the Lord. Bless the name of the Lord. Praise God, praise God, praise God. While you're standing, open your Bibles, if you would, please, to 2 Corinthians chapter number 11. I'm going to read just a couple of verses, three to be exact. In fact, the last three of that chapter, 31 through 33. Amen. 2 Corinthians eleven thirty one, The God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which is blessed forevermore, knows that I lie not. In Damascus the governor, under Aretas the king, kept the city of the Damascenes with a garrison desirous to apprehend me. And through a window in a basket I was let down by a wall, by the wall, and escaped his hands. And I want to focus on that through a window aspect of that verse, and for just a few minutes of your time, preach to you a window of opportunity. Amen. Everybody say, a window of opportunity. And now you may know why I've got a window leaning up against the pulpit today. (laughs) Amen and amen. Let's pray together in Jesus' name. Lord, this is your church, not mine. You and your word alone can save, deliver, and heal. You know every person, you know every need, you know every struggle, you know every issue, and you are God alone. You cannot lie, you cannot fail. Your word is anointed and appointed for this moment. And so, Lord, on the authority of your word, let every spirit of hindrance be bound and cast out, and your anointing fill this place. For without you, we are nothing. Let there be a demonstration of your spirit and your power and confirm your word with signs following. Let me walk in your spirit and not in my flesh. And everybody said in Jesus' name, you may be seated. God bless you. Hallelujah. Why don't we just clap our hands one more time to the Lord. Glory! Praise God. Praise God. Amen. I want to begin this message with a bold statement. And then I'm going to back it up for the rest of this message. Instead of waiting for God to open the door, it's time to look for a window of opportunity to go through. Now let me explain. Earlier this year, actually about a month ago, my wife and I attended General Conference and uh, had a great time, other than all the meetings I have to go to. But other than all those business meetings and so forth, we attended the various services that were there and enjoyed uh, connecting with, of course, friends and whatnot, and of course, obviously having uh, the the worship and all of that. All the messages resonated with me in a different way. I'm always blessed to hear the, the word of the Lord. But the one that spoke to me the most was actually the very first one on Tuesday night. In the NAM service, NAM is North American Missions. Brother Aaron Bounds preached a message titled, I See 
a window and shared with us some things in the Holy Ghost about stepping out in faith. And it just time and again, God would speak to my spirit, and it resonated with me. Amen. I want to come to you today with a bold word of prophecy and tell you this. We're at the place of John 4.23. Behold, the hour cometh, and now is. And I believe what God is saying to the church of Omaha this morning is we've been kind of in the waiting room of behold, the hour cometh. But we're at the comma and we're moving into that now is aspect of God's promise. Amen? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, I know this is first word, and typically we are teaching and sometimes preaching, but I feel to preach today a little bit. I feel to just uh, uh, unleash what God has put into my spirit, and, and so uh, I, I'm not one of those that, that needs your amens to preach better, but I will tell you it's going to help me feel a little bit better if, if you're at least somewhat engaged with what God is saying. Amen. I want to remind you as well that when you say amen, it's not just Pentecostal call and response. It is actually a biblical uh, uh, thing that began, as far as I can tell, in Nehemiah when they would say amen to the preached and, and, and taught word of God. It was them aligning themselves with God, the message that God was being delivered, and that the person delivering it. It was a threefold alignment there. So when you do that today, you're aligning with God's Word and the message, amen, and the man of God. Let me just talk for just a moment about windows through the Bible. In Genesis 6.16, God is giving uh, Noah all the specs of building the ark, and He tells him to put a window in the ark. Now, oftentimes we've seen this maybe as like a side window. And actually, if you look at that word in the Hebrew, it was actually a skylight. And if you've ever been to the ark encounter in Kentucky, if you haven't, you need to go. But if you have been, you'll see they've kind of designed it that way. And uh, for obvious reasons, it would allow sunlight in during the day and so on and so forth. Of course, that was where he went up and let the, the dove out and the raven and so forth. <clears throat> but that window was placed there. In fact, I believe in part it was a skylight because God wanted them to look up and not around. Hey, there's a lot going on in our world. And I'm not saying we should put our heads in the sand either, but I am saying we should look up. There's headlines we could talk about. There are things we could get all shook up about. I don't know what's going to happen with the economy. I don't know what's all going to happen with Hamas and Israel. I don't know what's going to happen with the election coming later this year. I don't know all of these things, but I do know this. I do know that God is on the throne. And I'm going to look up and lift up my head. Amen. In Joshua chapter 2, in verses 15, 18, and 21, you'll see a woman by the name of Rahab, and she first lets out two spies out a window. Uh, she, she houses them. She, she keeps them, and, and she actually subverts the enemy from finding them and lets them out. This is the same window. She hangs a red sash, and God spares and protects her family. Amen. In 1 Samuel 19, 12, you'll find another window. This window, amen, and again, another woman helping a man. This is Michael helping David escape. Saul wants to kill him, and she lets him out through a window, and he escapes. 
Unfortunately, though, in 2 Samuel 6.16, also in 1 Chronicles 15.29, a few years later, Michal finds herself looking out a window and despising David in, in her heart as he danced before the Lord with all his might when he brought the Ark of the Covenant back. And I want to pause here for a moment and ask you a question. Which side of the window are you on? Are you on the side with Michal despising David? Or are you out there in the street with David dancing before the Lord? Amen. Come on, the Ark is returning to Jerusalem. Amen. The power of God is returning. I'm not going to be sitting back despising it with my arms folded, looking like I got a you know, bump on a pickle. Amen. I'm going to be out there with David dancing before the Lord. Hallelujah. When Daniel read the king's decree about not praying to anyone but the king, Daniel opened the windows of his home facing Jerusalem and as he had done previously, continued to pray despite what the decree was. Can I tell you, windows are important in the Bible. Amen. Another window, actually this one's plural, is found in Malachi 3, 10, and 11, that when we return our tithe to the Lord and we bring our offerings and give them to the Lord, He then opens windows, plural, of blessing to rain down upon us so much so there's not enough room to receive it. Hallelujah. He also rebukes the devourer for our sakes. Amen. So you can see the effectiveness of windows throughout Scripture. And I've come today to preach to you about a window of opportunity for the church of Omaha. Again, I refuse to despise with Michael and instead dance with David. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We're going to pray this prayer over the second uh, service, the worship service today. Amen. But I feel to pray it here right now in the middle of this message upon the authority of your word. I have given and it shall be given to me good measure. Pressed down, shaken together, and running over. I am a tither. I bring my tithe today into your storehouse. Therefore, the enemy is rebuked. The curse is broken. I live under an open heaven. You pour out upon me such a blessing, there is not enough room to receive it. Amen. We receive jobs and better jobs, raises and bonuses, sales and commissions, benefits and settlements, estates, amen, and inheritance, interest and income, rebates and returns, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, bills paid off, debts demolished, royalties received, my whole family saved and walking with God in perfect health and abundance to walk in divine favor and blessings. I am blessed going in. I am blessed going out. And all that I do will prosper in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Come on, I see an open window of opportunity over the church of Omaha. And as if God wanted to just make sure that I had a confirmation, I got home, I checked the mail. I've been to North Dakota this week. Got home, checked the mail, thought it was a bill from our insurance company. My wife and I both have been to some doctor's visits lately. Thought I had a bill in the mail because, you know, you got that copay stuff and all that, right? I didn't have a bill. I actually had a reimbursement. <laughs> now imagine opening that up thinking, Oh, I got another bill to pay. I gotta, and then I'm like, whoa, I don't have a bill. They're paying me. Woo! Hallelujah. I like this insurance company. Amen. 
Hallelujah. And it was just a little small way for God to remind me, hey, I want you to say this. I want you to preach this. I want you to do this. And, and those of you that I've pastored for a long time, you know I'm not about prosperity gospel. Amen. I believe some of those blessings come in many other ways. But I want to tell you this. I have been young and I'm getting older each day. But I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread. I don't care what the economy's going to do. I don't care what the reset is going to do. I don't care what the recession is going to do. I don't care how a transfer of wealth is coming here's what I know my God is still my provider and he's going to take care of me throughout every day I'm not telling us to be stupid I'm not telling us to put our heads in the sand I'm not saying go rack up a bunch of credit card bills and all that garbage what I am saying is this let's put our trust in the one who holds tomorrow in his hand well hallelujah hallelujah I feel the prophetic word, and God led me today to Deuteronomy 28.12 as well to give a prophetic word over our church. Here's what it says. The Lord shall open unto you his good treasure, the heaven to give you rain unto your land in its season, in his season, and to bless all the work of your hand. And you shall lend unto many nations, and you shall not borrow. Now, I know contextually this is about Israel, and if you keep reading, you'll find in fact, in the entirety of the 28th chapter, it's about if you'll obey God, you'll receive these blessings. Well, I believe we are, and I believe we will continue to obey God. Therefore, I believe what God is saying is he wants his church to be debt-free. And I believe God is going to do a miracle to help us be debt-free. I believe that. I'll tell you what else I'm doing, and I want you to help me do this as well. I'm not praying for God to send a millionaire. I'm praying for God to make the faithful tithers and faithful givers millionaires. One of the men in my life, he's a mentor in my life. He's an apostle of God, uh, Bishop Sam Emery. I was talking to him one day about four or five years ago. I said, I'm praying for God to send me a millionaire. He goes, stop. I said, oh, yes, sir. He says, stop doing that. And I said, okay. You mind telling me why? I mean, I'll, yes, sir, but why? And he says, because if that millionaire comes, they ain't attached to your church. They may want to know where all that money's going. They may want to know where every penny's being spent. But you give a tither or a giver that's already given, and they get a blessing and they give that, they're already invested in the vision. They're, not that we wouldn't be, obviously, uh, uh, forthright with everything, and obviously the trustees would look at all of that, and there's some of you in this room that are on that, on that team. My point is this. If you give it to somebody that's already invested in the vision, so that's what I'm praying. God, make you millionaires. So I want you just to start checking, making sure, you know, you get your next paycheck. See if they haven't given you a bonus or a raise. Start expecting God to bless you. I believe God is going to make us debt-free because I believe God wants us to help start more churches in this area. We don't have enough in Omaha. Omaha is the seventh fastest-growing metro in the United States of America. Did you know, just across the border, Council Bluffs is a part of that Omaha metro. There's three counties in Iowa and five in Nebraska. Did you know there's not a single apostolic oneness church in Council Bluffs? Almost 250,000 people, so about a third of that, or a fourth of that overall number is there without an apostolic lighthouse. Carter Lake doesn't have a church. Papillion doesn't have a church. La Vista doesn't have a church. Ralston doesn't have a church. Gretna doesn't have a church. 
but they're going to. They're going to. Come on, amen. And I believe what God wants to do is help us to get debt free so that we can start more churches, so that we can equip more people, so we can give more to missions. I believe God is about to open doors. More ethnic churches can be started. Come on. We're relaunching here in a few weeks. I'm going to talk about that in a moment. Our, our Next week, our Spanish church. But hear me, I believe God's going to open up a work in Bennington. I believe God's going to open up a work in Irvington. I believe he's going to open up one in Fort Calhoun. Amen. Elkhorn. Amen. Papillion, La Vista, Florence, Ralston, Millard, Gretna, Valley, Council Bluffs, Carter Lake. I believe God's going to do works in these cities. I believe great companies of priests are going to hear the message. Amen. When I was on my trip, I began to just daydream and pray in the Spirit. And in that moment, thank God I was still driving and paying attention, but I think an angel must have taken the wheel for a little bit because I was somewhere else in the Spirit. I could see myself preaching in denominational churches. I've had that vision two or three times. I believe it will come to pass. Amen. That God will turn entire congregations over to the apostolic truth. Hallelujah. I see a window of opportunity. Amen. Brother Mario and Sister Priscilla moved here about a year ago. God brought them up here. He told me just the other day, and they're gone today. They're preaching in their old church and and visiting family. They'll be back by next week. But he told me a few weeks ago, he said when, when he got transferred, he could choose the city to come to. He said God dealt with him to come here. Well, that, of course, you know, piqued my interest because of all the places he could have chosen. He said, God dealt with me to come here. He told his pastor, he said, Pastor, uh, uh, pray for me. I, I hope I find a church that's interested in wanting to start a Spanish work and, and interested in helping. And there was two things he asked the Lord to do. And on the Sunday, the Sunday they first came, I wasn't here. I, we were gone. I came that back that next Sunday, and we sat in my wife's office, and I looked at him, and I said, I just want you to know before we start anything, I love what God's doing. I hear your passion, and I hear what you are excited about. I'm ready to start a Spanish work. And he looks at his wife, and he looks at me, and I said, we've got a building. We can use it, you know. You could have the Sunday night. You could have a, a Thursday night or whatever. And he looks at me, and he goes, wow, those were the two things I asked the Lord about. I'm telling you this to tell you God is aligning some things. They started meeting on every other Thursday. And this coming Sunday, which happens to be All Nation Sunday, next Sunday the 22nd. We were going to start the 29th, but through some uh, date uh, changes, we had to start it on the 22nd. I just happened to realize, I believe that was God even saying start it then because that's All Nation Sunday. Hallelujah. And so next Sunday, when we get done about 1230-ish, whatever, 1 o'clock, and we go our way and go have lunch at 6 o'clock next Sunday, right here in the sanctuary, Iglesia de Bethesda is going to have its first Sunday night service. Hallelujah. And I believe it's going to grow exponentially. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But Terry, sister... Laurel, stand up right where you are, please. Everybody just turn around or look towards them if you're behind them. I want you to stretch your hands. We've been having Bible studies in Blair. 
We've already got a name for the church, Rivers of Life Apostolic Church. Uh, they're reaching family. They're reaching people. They're, they're handing out business cards trying to reach people. Come on, let's pray right now that God would open doors continually in Blair. Some of you got family up there. Some of you know people that live up there. Come on, let's pray right now uh, that their home uh, would become a lighthouse of truth. In the name of Jesus, we speak over Rivers of Life right now. In the name of Jesus, expecting you to do a great work, Lord. Expecting you to do what you've said you would do. Lord, we've had as many as 12 in that living room. Let it happen again. Let it double. Let there be more. God, there's a Cornelius and Blair. Wake them up in the middle of the night. Tell Brother Terry. Tell Sister Laurel where to go. Tell them what street they're on. Send them to him in the name of Jesus. Amen. I want you to keep praying. I want you to keep, thank you, you can be seated. And by the way, and I'm not saying this to be funny or to, or to be, you know, uh, crude, but they're older. Right? And I know that because he's told me how old he is. And Sister Laurel, she's still 29, but, you know, but, but Terry's getting up there, you know. <laughs> I'm just I'm pointing that out because, listen, it's going to happen on the elderly. It's going to happen with the young. We've got children. I heard about a child today. Amen. Pastor Lucas told me, Alicia, Emory has a sponsor now at her school to start a Bible study club at her school. It's going to happen with the children. It's going to happen with the elders. It's going to happen with everyone in between. Hallelujah. I know she's not here, or if she is, I don't see her. Sister Jackie Pettit, amen, she's not here, but she sits over there by Joe. Amen, let's pray right now for Nebraska City, Way of Life Apostolic Church. Come on, can we call out that with me? I, this is a different kind of message today, I know. Let's pray right now for Nebraska City in the name of Jesus. We believe, oh God, what you're doing there. We believe you've got a church to raise up there. We believe, God, there are people yet to come, a church yet unborn. Oh God, in the name of Jesus, let it happen. Honor the faithfulness of those who are planting and watering. Lord, Joe has been going. Betty has gone some. Others have gone down and helped. We ask, Lord, that you would honor the labor and in the name of Jesus, bring forth the harvest in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. 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 I believe he's doing it. I saw the Wilsons come in. Brother Pastor Danny, Sister Rebecca, would you all stand, amen? If you're there by him, turn around or raise your hands to him. Refuge Church, I believe God's got a great work going up in Norfolk, and he's not done yet. Come on, amen. God's going to open doors. God's going to open windows. Hallelujah. There's a Cornelius there as well in that city. In the name of Jesus, there's a church yet unborn. Hallelujah. Lord, we pray it. We believe it. We expect it. We desire it. We want it. In the name of Jesus. God, if a door's not going to open, we're going to jump through a window of opportunity and believe for miracles, signs, and wonders to follow. Hallelujah. 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 Joel 2, 23. I feel the prophetic word of the Lord this morning. Joel 2, 23. Be glad then, you children of Zion. By the way, when you see Zion in Scripture, it can also point to the church. Okay? Be glad then, you children of Zion, or the church. Rejoice in the Lord your God, for he has given you the former rain modeling. Can we just thank God for what he has done already? Come on, how many here? God has healed you, touched you, blessed you, saved you. You got a family. Come on. 
Is there any has-beens in the room today that, that God brought you out of the pit of sin, brought you from addiction, brought you from a lot? Come on. Is there any prodigals that came home, amen, and can testify, I backslid, but I came home to the Father's house? Come on, let's thank God for the former rain moderately. Hallelujah. But watch this. Are you ready? And he, God, will cause to come down for you the rain... The former rain and the latter rain in the first month. I believe what God is saying to the church of Omaha is what I have done in the past is considered moderate. All the miracles, all the things, all the blessings, but what I'm about to do just in the first month is going to be in triplicate. It's going to be the rain and the former rain and the latter rain all tied in together. Watch this, and the floors shall be full. Everybody say full, full of wheat. God spoke to me and said that's harvest. He's going to bring in a harvest that's full. Amen. I prophesy to empty chairs right now. You will not be empty much longer. Get used to it because you're about to be filled. Brother Michael, Brother Terry, you're going to have to start bringing in some white chairs and filling in. Come on, I believe it in the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The wheat is harvest. Watch this. The fat shall overflow with wine and oil. This is the Holy Spirit and anointing. It's not just going to be a little bit. It's going to overflow. And then this is what the Lord spoke to me. Verse 25. And I will restore to you the years that the locust has eaten. When I read that, the Lord paused, stopped me and said, I'm bringing prodigals home. I want to say something here right now. And I mean this wholeheartedly. I love this church. There's been times I've had to sit down with some of you, correct something, and speak to you in, in, a, in a manner of correction. And, and for the most part, this church has been gracious to take that and, and to be teachable. And I thank God for that. I tell people all the time I love it. I said it the other day. I love the opportunity to preach out, but there's no place like home. And I mean that wholeheartedly. I thank God when those doors open, and I'll, I'll walk through them if I can. But this is where my heart is. And I, I mean it. I love this church. I know I'm biased, but I'm right. This is the best church, right, babe? Amen. And I'll say this, too. I believe this church, the spirit of the older brother doesn't exist. Here's what I mean by that. In the, in the parable, the story of the parable, the father was looking every day. And when he saw his son, he ran to meet him and restored him, put the ring on his finger. Amen. Put the robe on his back and put the shoes on his feet. Restored him to sonship. I believe this church is like that father. I believe the church is like the servant who, whomever it was, when the, when the father said go kill the vat of calf, was excited to do so. I believe this church is like the rest of those servants and the rest of that family who was celebrating and rejoicing. Woohoo! He's home! I do not believe the older brother's spirit exists here. And if it does, I challenge you right now, don't wait till I'm done. Come down to this altar and start repenting. I can preach around you. Because we're not going to have that older brother's spirit. To, what's he doing here? When prodigals walk in, I don't care what they smell like. I don't care what they look like. I don't care who they've been with. I don't care if they come in doped up, drugged up. I don't care if they come out of a whorehouse. As long as they come home to the father's house. I can't wait to run to meet them. I can't wait to say, sister, brother, we're glad you're home. We saved a seat for you. 
So from this, Joel, God has told me he's bringing a threefold rain. Exponentially greater revival. He's bringing a house full of wheat harvest. It's going to overflow with wine and oil, Holy Spirit and anointing. And prodigals are coming home. Well, what's this got to do with windows and the scripture I read? Let me explain. The saints at Damascus, Saul had been converted. If you know the timeline, Saul is converted on his way to Damascus. That's where the great light shines. That's where he realizes, whoa, who art thou, Lord? I've been serving you all my life. By the way, when Saul asked that question, who art thou, Lord? He knew Jehovah. He knew Yahweh. He was saying, who are you, Yahweh? I thought I knew you. And in Acts 9, verse 5, Yahweh answered and said, I am Jesus. There's a good one, this verse right there. Wow. And so all of a sudden, his world begins to change. He goes physically blind. Three days later, can you imagine being Ananias? Hey, Ananias, I need you to go pray for a man on the street called Straight. His name's Saul. Uh, Lord, you, you, you know Saul's a murderer? Are you sure? Are you sure it's not somebody else? But he goes and he prays. I like what he does when he walks in the door. Brother Terry, he said he calls him brother. Saul weren't converted yet, but Ananias was speaking in faith. Come on, maybe you need to start calling your coworker brother or sister. Come on, maybe you need to go to that neighbor today and say, hey, brother. And if they look at you like, what? I'm just speaking in faith. You're about to be one of us. And so Paul Saul begins to preach in Damascus. He preaches the, the, that Jesus Christ is the one true God. They, they receive him. They, they forgive him. Watch what happens. The king there wants him dead. And so he posts guard at the doors, the gates. They can't get out. And this is, what, this is why the Lord spoke to me. We've been waiting for God to open doors, but yet there's windows of opportunity we're missing. And, 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 and I want you to understand when I preach this, I'm not trying to tell you, let's force God's hand, meaning let's force a door open. What I'm telling you is, there's a reason it's not open. And there's a reason God is trying to point us to a window and say, there's a window open if you'll just go through that. And that's what I feel in my spirit, that instead of, in fact, this is, this is what I felt God speak to me. Maybe it's becoming an excuse, excuse, while I'm waiting for God to open the door. Meanwhile, there's a window open behind us if we would just go through it. And so these saints at Damascus realize there's no way we're going to get him out. They're inspecting every cart. They're stopping every person. However, one of them probably said, you know what? I, I live over here. I've got a window that, that goes outside, out the wall, and we could put him in a basket and let him down when it's dark. And they do, and his life is spared, and he escapes. Hear me. If Saul doesn't get out of Damascus, the book of Acts ends at chapter 12. But some saints said, instead of waiting for a door, we're going to find an open window. And I've come to preach to some saints today to say, quit praying for an open door and look around you for a minute and see if there's an open window of opportunity. 
Here's what I believe God is saying. There's a window, and if you'll go through it, my plan and purpose will be fulfilled. The Bible, amen, says these signs shall follow them that believe. So if the church is not moving, miracles will not follow. Okay, I will. (laughs) These signs shall follow them that believe. But if the church is not moving, miracles aren't going to follow. In other words, we're not waiting on God. God is waiting on us. We might be looking at a closed door saying, well, I'll just wait. I'll praise him in the hallway. And all those things sound good. But God is saying, if you'll just start moving, if you'll turn around and see a window and go through it, I'm going to confirm my word with signs following. Think about it this way. Follow means we have to be moving. Pastor Lucas, come here for a minute. You just kind of follow me, all right? Whatever I do, you do. Just come up here. If I'm stationary, so is he. But if he represents God confirming his word and I start moving, God's going to start moving. If I start acting, he... God's waiting on us to see there's an open window of opportunity. Thank you. Amen. And it's time for us to walk through that open or go through that open window. C.T. Studd, who was a missionary to China, India, and Africa at the end of the 19th and beginning of the 20th centuries, wrote a poem in which he ended each stanza with these words, Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Can I tell you, it's time to make it count. Hear me. I don't, I don't know what our days are, how, how much more days we have. I don't know if all this with Israel is pointing to a, a rapid increase of the end times beginning. I don't know all of that. What I do know is this. Whether I have one day left on earth or one year or a hundred years, I'm going to make every day count for God. I wish I had time to, to go through the, 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 the plethora of people who in, in their elder years came up with things. Everybody had KFC chicken? Anybody eaten KFC chicken before in your life? Did you know Colonel Sanders didn't really make it a break until he was up in, I think, 60-some-odd years old? You've heard about Abraham Lincoln, the Civil War president, right? You know how many times he failed before he got to the White House? Come on, I could tell you story after story after story of people who tried this and failed that. And and here's my point. We've got to keep going. We've got to keep trying. We've got to keep acting. If we don't take advantage of this window of opportunity, the revival God wants to give will die. I know it's going to be messy. I know it's going to require trust instead of suspicion. I know I might not get my favorite seat. Come on now. Don't get quiet on me here. If somebody's sitting in your seat next Sunday, Wednesday night, please don't get an attitude. Please just kindly find a different place to sit. Please greet them and say, good to have you. God bless you. I'm so-and-so. What's your name? They're probably not going to come down to the front, by the way. If that means you have to, ain't going to hurt you. I might use you in a sermon or two, but it ain't going to hurt you. And if, if, if it's not the whole row, well, sit by him and introduce yourself. 
Make them feel welcome. Well, hallelujah. It's going to require humility. It's going to require teamwork. Come on now. Pardon the sports reference. It's football season. I know it's also baseball season too, but both of those are team sports, right? You've heard me say stuff like this before. As good as Michael Jordan was, he couldn't have been that good by himself. He needed five other players every, every game. We need each other. And if it's your turn to shine, if they come out of the, the, the Sunday school today and they say that five kids got the Holy Ghost, praise God. I'm not going to feel bad because I wasn't in there, Brother Matt, praying for him. I'm going to rejoice because five kids got the Holy Ghost. Amen. If you teach a Bible study and they get baptized, I'm not going to feel, well, my Bible study hasn't got baptized yet. You know what? We're a team. We won. Jesus won. Heaven won. Hell zero. Woo! Hallelujah. One plants, one waters, and... God gives the increase. The planter and the waterer are nothing in the equation. In other words, we just got to do what we can do and let God do what he can do. Amen. It's going to be messy. It's going to require that we we give up some things. It's going to require prayer and fasting. But as we do these things consistently and willingly, we will walk through his window of opportunity. Because the saints there in Damascus took advantage of a window of opportunity, The book of Acts now ends with the preaching of the gospel in chapter 28 being unstoppable. And can I tell you, the preaching of the gospel is still unstoppable today. I'm going through a window of opportunity. I'm not going to make excuses. You see, there's three types of people in the world. Those that make things happen. Those who watch things happen. And those who wonder what's happening. I'm going to be part of the first group. I'm going to do what I can to make stuff happen. Well, how can I do that, Pastor? How can I do that, Bishop? Let me help you out. Pray for others. Don't go onto Facebook and say, please pray for my friend only. Don't wait till Wednesday night and and, and tell Sister Nancy or, or Brother Trevor or somebody, hey, can you add this to the list up there that we pray for? If you've got a friend, a neighbor, a coworker, and they're in need, pray for them right there on the spot. Hey, can we pause right now and pray? Can we step into the break room? Can can we step outside? Whatever the the scenario is, I'll pray for you right now. And believe that God will move. Amen. Be the church. Share your testimony with others. You know, I can tell your testimony, and, and I have. I've told other people some of your testimonies. But you know how much more effective it is when you share your testimony? Because you lived it. You experienced it. It's different than when you tell it versus me. Invite others to a Bible study. And I don't mean Wednesday night. And I don't mean necessarily a connect group. What I mean is, hey, can I teach you a Bible study? Let me tell you what teaching a Bible study is like. It could be just simply a passage of Scripture, a theme or a topic that they want to know about, a question they might have. By the way, if they've got a question you don't know the answer, here's what you do. I don't know that, but I'll talk to my pastor and I'll get back to you. Please don't give a fake answer. Please don't try to wing it. Just be honest and say, hey, uh, I'm not 100%. I want to answer it correctly, so if you'll give me a week or two, I'll come back to you with that. That's a great question. I'll come back to you with an answer. But do what you can to share with him the testimony of the word of the Lord. Another thing you could do is return your tithes to the Lord. Give your offerings to the Lord faithfully and cheerfully and sacrificially. You know, God can take our money and turn it into curriculum. 
God can take our money and turn it into PIMs to support missionaries to go to places we can't go. We can't do that, but God can. Amen. Be an active and an authentic worshiper, both here on Sunday and Wednesday, but also every other day of the week. Join a connect group. Be a part of that. Invite a friend to that. Take the opportunity to connect with other people of like precious faith. Amen. Get involved. You hear it every Sunday. If you want to get involved, see Pastor Lucas, Sister Jackie, Sister Shannon. Go talk to one of them. Hey, I want to help. What can I do? There is nothing. And and, and let me just say this. If you're waiting for the big positions to open up, if you can't do the little things, You'll never get to the bigger things. And let me also say it this way. Faithfulness in small things is no small thing. I'll say this, and I know I've said this before many times, but it rings true each time. When our guests come, and there's plenty of towels and soap and toilet paper and the bathrooms look clean, they're going to hear the message even better. They're going to engage with the worship even better. But if they go in and there's no soap... And the bathrooms are dirty. Right? If they go into the Sunday school wing and the kids' wing and, it, and it's all discombobulated, they're, they're going to think, oh, what, what are my kids getting into? But if it's, but if it's clean, and our, thank God our children's ministry staff does a good job keeping it clean. Praise God for that. So you that help clean the church, thank you. Your vacuuming is not in vain. Your dusting is not in vain. Praise God. You know what we need to do? We need to be like the four lepers. If we sit here, we die. And I feel like that today. If we just keep doing what we've always done, we're going to just sit here and die, and, and you know, we'll, we'll just always be at this plateau. If we try to go back into the city like the leper said, you know, I, I don't know what's going to happen. So we might as well just trust God and, and go. And they got up and they walked. They started doing something. And I believe God said, I'm going to amplify those, the sounds of their feet. I don't know how he did it. I don't know if he had a bunch of uh, angels. You know, I don't know what he did. But somehow he amplified their march because four men said, we're going to die anyway. We might as well die trying. So here's what the Lord spoke to me. If you'll step out in faith, God will do the miraculous. (laughs) Hudson Taylor, a famous missionary, first went to China in a sailing vessel so you can know how long ago this was. Very close to the shore of Cannibal Islands, the ship was in a calm, and it was slowly drifting towards those savages on that island who themselves were eagerly anticipating a feast. The captain came to Mr. Taylor Taylor, and said to him, Would you please pray? I know you're a missionary and believe in God. And he said, I will. And then Taylor responded, Provided you set your sails to catch the breeze. The captain shrugged it off and declined to make himself a laughing stock to raise the, the, the sails in a very calm, no-wind day. Taylor said, well, I will not undertake to pray for this vessel unless you prepare the sails. Time went on, and finally, he said, okay, I'll raise the sails. <laughs> well, after a season of praying, he was engaged in prayer. There was a knock on his stateroom door. Who is it, said Taylor. The captain's voice responded, are you still praying for wind? He said, yes, sir, I am. He said, well, you better stop praying. We have more wind than we can manage. 
Can I tell you, God is like Mr. Taylor. If you're not going to raise your sails, I'm not going to blow any wind. We've got to step out first and say, I know it looks crazy. I know the world's going to say I'm nuts. I know they're going to think I'm dumb. But I'm going to raise some sails and believe that God's about to blow on some sails. Hallelujah. We need some people to rise up today and say, I hear the sound of abundance of rain when all you see is the cloud the size of a man's hand. Can you see a window of opportunity today? I don't just believe God can. I believe He will. And I would rather step out in faith and try than to wither up and die. And so I'm going to act on His words because I'm surprised it hasn't happened yet. I know you've prayed before, but can you pray once more? Can you keep on asking and seeking and knocking? Are you willing to pray and fast and hope and believe and share your testimony and give and continually be steadfast in the labor of the Lord? And by the way, please don't tell me you don't have faith. Let me explain. We go to doctors who we really don't know, whose degrees we've never verified, who gives us a prescription we can't read. We then take it to a pharmacist who we also don't know, who gives us a chemical compound we don't understand. And we go home and we faithfully take it according to the instructions in sincere, trusting faith. So don't tell me you don't have faith. We put our faith in so many things, often without realizing. If you've ever flown on a plane, I've never one time went to a pilot and said, Sir, may I please see your pilot's license? Not once. I've just trusted he or she knows what they're doing. I've hit turbulence before. I remember the one story about this little girl. She was sitting there, and, and there was a, a businessman on this end, and she was in the middle, and a lady over here. And so he sat next to her, and it was his assigned seat. And, and uh, she's got her coloring book out and all this. And all of a sudden, they hit some massive turbulence, and uh, so much so that even he was scared. I mean, the plane was just bopping and weaving like it was hitting all kinds of speed bumps in the middle of the air. And, and he looks over, and he's, you know, white knuckles holding on to the seat just in, in one hand kind of, you know, helping her, thinking she might need help. And she's just nonchalantly coloring and having a good time and just, you know, riding with the bumps. And, and they get all done, and he says, goodness, little girl, he says, uh, here I am, a grown man. I've flown all my life, and here I am scared. You're, you can't be more than nine years old, and, and you're just riding it like it's a roller coaster and having fun. And she goes, well, of course. And he said, well, how do you do that? And she goes, well, my daddy's the pilot, and he's taking me home. Last I checked, Jesus is my pilot. <laughs> Hallelujah. And so you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to sincerely trust him, and, and according to the instructions, I'm going to obey his word. I'm going to put my faith in his word. And, and, and instead of just waiting for a door to open, I'm going to look around, and if there's a window of opportunity, I'm going through it. I'm going to take it. Every Sunday, and you'll probably see it today if you wait and look, there's a screen that comes up that says service dismissed. But, but in smaller letters, kind of beneath, and I think off to one side, says you're now deployed. <laughs> We're deployed to go act in faith. Pastor Trevor, you got those, and if you got somebody to help you, whoever. I, I want you to have a copy of this. It's our vision. You can actually see this in our admin wing. On one side, we have our purpose statement, our vision statement there. 
on the other side, eight separate statements that help to qualify that. I'm going to read them as they're passing out. Put it in your Bible. Put it in your purse. Make it a part of your prayer. But here, here, number one, to be a relevant and vibrant apostolic church in Omaha, experiencing the demonstration of the spirit and power of God. You'll also notice when you see on here there are verses that kind of correlate to that. And then uh, a, a part of what it might be, like doctrine, connect, grow. Those are, because connect, grow, serve, lead, of course, is our mission. Number two, to be a culturally diverse and unified congregation. Number three, to effectively educate, equip, and empower disciple makers. Everyone is a disciple maker. Amen. Number four, to evangelize Omaha with the hope and healing of God's gospel. Number five, to train and credential ministers to preach the gospel. Number six, to break the 200-member barrier, engaging the whole church in an active commitment to the vision. By the way, uh, what was it, 179, Pastor Trevor? Was that this last month's? Yeah. So for this year, we're averaging 179 on Sunday, so we're not too far from that 200-member barrier. And somebody said to me, so what are you going to do when you break that? I said, well, we're going to put a little thing over it and say 300. <laughs> All right. But notice, engaging the whole church in an active commitment to the vision. The reason I say that and the reason we put that one on there is this. I don't want the Pareto Principle 80-20 rule. 20% of the people doing 80% of the work. Amen? I want the whole church engaged and involved. Everyone can do something. Number seven, to plant churches in all the suburbs of the Omaha metro and the corporate city limits. And number eight, to be debt-free, paid in full, supporting every UPCI missionary locally, regionally, nationally, and globally. Someone told me one time that if your vision can be figured out by you, it's not big enough. In other words, if it's not God-sized, it's too small. Would you stand with me? I know this is a different kind of message, and I even told Pastor Lucas before preaching this, I said, you know, it makes me nervous because I'm an, I'm an expositor. I love breaking down those things, and, and I thank you for letting me take the liberty today to, to preach what I feel in my heart. God gave this to me and planted it in my spirit. And I, I want you to know, first of all, we're going to have an evangelist in, in worship here in just a few minutes. I didn't tell him what to preach. I didn't ask him what he was preaching. But I believe God is going to connect some things in the spirit. Now, he's going to do a lot better job, and he's going to connect all the dots. And so if there's any questions, they'll be answered after worship. <laughs> Amen. No, Brother Blake, tell us I mean it. I love you, and, and you're going to preach the word of God. I know you've got a word for us in worship, amen, today. But I want to say this to you. When we leave here today, I want you to leave with a sense of active faith in believing God. Matthew says, to ask, you shall receive, seek, you shall find, knock, it shall be opened. The next verse says, to him that keeps asking, or asketh in the King James. To him that seeketh, in other words, keeps seeking. There was a woman who kept going to the unjust judge, avenge me my adversary, avenge me my adversary, avenge me my adversary. And, and the judge wouldn't do it. He was unjust. He wanted a bribe. She didn't have any money. She was a widow. But finally, because of her importunity, okay, fine. Case closed. Here's your, I'm avenging you. And then God says, shall not the Lord also avenge us quickly? It's an antitype. It's not that God is unjust and, and, and you know, 
But what he's saying was, if an unjust judge can be moved by her persistence, how much more can the just judge be moved by our persistence? And that's what I want you to take from this today in Jesus' name. God bless you. Let's get our break. Come back in here. Let's worship like we never have before, like it's our last Sunday. And let's believe God to do great things. God bless you in Jesus' name.